my name is Jim, this is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints, from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding, and hopefully yours, of all things vegan. And this week is no different. This week, I was joined by Belen Matteo, the co-founder of Live and Grace. Who are Live and Grace? I hear you all cry. Live and Grace are a go-to marketplace for vegan fashion items, a curated selection, if you like, of the cruelty-free from the fashion world uh, across Europe. Um, their products are indeed sold across the Europe. They've sourced meticulously uh, across Europe. There are um, some wonderful things on there for the fashion conscious um, and and those not fashion conscious indeed, those perhaps who just want to eliminate uh, animal products, uh, make their their wardrobes cruelty free. All of that is uh, is an option there. I'm going to be ch- so I'm going to be chatting with uh, Belen Matteo from Living Grace in just a moment. A um, little bit of admin for you. So if you're an Apple podcast listener, there is a little button on the Bloody Vegans podcast where you can subscribe to receive episodes early. In fact, if you're listening to this on um, September the 7th through to about... I don't know, September the 12th, 13th, then you are indeed an Apple Podcast subscriber. Uh, With that 99p a month, you are listening to this in advance of its release uh, on Friday, the whatever it is, 15th, 16th of, uh, 16th, I think, of September, um, which is wonderful. So you can get all your episodes early. Uh, You also get some bonus stuff. For example, we've got Vegan Queen V live at the Vegan Kids Festival 2022. Her entire set is uh, is there early access for subscribers? Um, in fact, that may be um, that may be never released uh, outside of uh, subscribers. So uh, there you go. Head there uh, if you'd like to support the podcast in other ways. You can do head to thebloodyveganspodcast.co.uk where you can pick up a range of merchandise from the Green Gazelles Rugby Club, the world's first vegan rugby club, as well as the podcast itself. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Those of you who are going to Reading Vegan Festival on September the 17th, I will see you there. I'm representing Green Gazelles. We've got a little stall there, which is lovely. Hopefully see some of you there. Uh, outside of that, thank you for listening, as always. Uh, and here's the episode. Here is a conversation between me and Belen Matteo, the co-founder of Living Grace. When I was little, um, I was surrounded by animals. I grew up with lots of dogs. And you kind of have that compassion that kids have, no? before you normalize things. And then I was always more sensitive to it, but I still ate like me, then think the, the cycle of life and stuff. And then I think I was 20, 20 few, I think 21 or so, when I started ditching some foods that maybe you don't have in the UK, but mm-hmm. we have here foie gras. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. And then exactly. I saw a video and I was like, what is this? I don't want to. That's the first thing I ever ditched. And then I think the next one was at 24 when I saw a very beautiful um, video of a pig playing with a ball. And I thought, oh, it's, it's like a dog. And I found out they are even more clever than dogs. And I said, okay, I don't eat pig anymore. And here in Spain, as you know, we eat a lot of jamón and mm. fuet. So it's very common to eat many parts of pigs and that's the first thing i i quit and then after that it's just one video after the other finding out more content and i became vegetarian 
And after one year and a half, I became vegan with a few more documentaries. And then it's been six years ever since. Yeah. Did you have a, a group around you? Did you have friends and family who went, went vegan with you or were you very much alone? Not family. Back then, it was my ex-partner. We became mm-hmm. vegan at the same time. Well, first I became vegetarian, then he did vegan and, and then the other way around. Mm-hmm. And one of my best friends, also she and her boyfriend were doing it. Like first it was us becoming vegetarian and then they were first becoming vegan and then we... We did too. But the rest, no, I had nobody else around. But little by little, like from my group of friends, four of them are vegans as well. So we're very close and it's very cool when you can meet them. With the rest, well, no, you know, we you try to veganize here and there. But <laughs> like you but said, no. things, things like um, hamon and stuff like that are very kind of traditional in the, in the kind of very. culture, um, yeah. particularly around... Uh, I had a, a really good friend from the south of Spain, and mm-hmm. every Christmas, the whole hamon piece there was a was a really it was a big thing for his, the whole his leg family. there in yeah. The, yeah in yeah. my house it is like my yeah. family have it there every winter. So so when you came back home for the, for the first time and said, "Hey, I'm I'm vegan. I'm not going to be taking part in some of these things." How did your how did your family kind of react? Did they go along with it? At least even if I don't understand mm-hmm. why, I'm kind of with you. They were hesitant a bit of if it's a trend or what it is mm. exactly. They did not know much about it. So it's been enriching for both parts, like for me, because I had to learn how to explain things. And for them, because they really knew they, they are learning new stuff on my path. Even if they are not doing it, they still reduce their consumption. But still, in the beginning, it was the typical things all, all vegans go through. Like if I say I'm vegan, my mom puts tuna in the salad or chicken because it's not really meat or fish. Like right. this took like a year <laughs> to get through. Really? But then, yeah, when I was vegetarian, so it, it was gradual for them too, which is good. Yeah. Because then they get started like, okay, no meat, no fish. And then it started no egg, no dairy, which was a bit more hard. But my mom i'm lucky when she cooks she changes the spoons and things it's just logical for her i don't even have to ask so she makes sure she puts if she makes a burger she makes sure she makes mine first and then the rest things like this so they are considerate but at the time that they are eating they are eating in front of me and that's it so if it smells or whatever i just have to shut up so yeah but I, i don't i don't complain were you based in Barcelona at the time? Have you always been in Barcelona? Yeah. yeah. I didn't grow up here. Like my parents live in a town nearby. Yes. Oh, right. And then okay. I, I came back here to study biology with 18 cool. and then I, I stayed. But yeah. then I, become, I became vegan once living here in Barcelona. So and, when and I went was, there the first time, it was like, vegan, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> How's vegan culture in, in Barcelona? Is it a bit like a bit like London? Like if you're in, in the major cities, if you're in the Barcelonas, the Londons, places like that, things now, are pretty yes. easy? <laughs> now, yes, it's quite easy. And I can really tell a big difference from when I started to now in these six years. It, like supermarkets have everything. When I started, maybe it was very hard to find, I don't know, vegan ice cream or a vegan croissant. Mm something like this you could only go to vegan stores that were only a few now i have one every every other block and Mm. in the normal supermarkets you can find many vegan things even ice cream from their own supermarket brand 
that are vegan. So it's really easy. And now also the price is almost the same. Like yeah. you cannot tell me now that if you buy Ben and Jerry's, it's going to cost you more if it's vegan. It's the same price. So, That's cool. Yeah, it improved cool. a lot. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. <laughs> Does it feel like the acceptance level, along with obviously like the increase in products, but the acceptance level of of people being vegan is is growing? It doesn't feel like you have to explain yourself as much, or or do you think you still are in those conversations a lot? I have to explain anyway because what I, although I'm happy that the movement is growing, I feel the cause is not morality. It's right. Other reasons, mainly environmentalist reasons, or. Um, I don't know, just because it's trendy and they see a business opportunity and then they open, you know. But it, it's good still because it gives us more options. It's just that the fact that we cannot stop educating people, we must go on. It's, it's a constant job. So there are always questions to answer. <laughs> 100%. When did fashion become a big part of your life? Was that kind of pre, pre-vegan pre or, or afterwards yes. you noticed that there was an opportunity there? Um, well, actually for the business, it's a different thing. Like I've been in fashion since I'm four years old. Like I used to model when I was little and then I quit. I finished my studies. Well, when I was 14, I went back to model again. And Mm -hmm. actually I was going to London several times and coming back here for some direct shoots. And then, yeah, I guess it's always been like, uh, alone on my path although I study and work and other things but I've always been modeling on the side so it's been present there that I always when I became vegan for example I had to start um, I didn't feel like doing many jobs there were I didn't want to do leather jackets or leather shoes or like brands for it one thing I cannot control if I go and shoot a commercial and there's a leather jacket there I'm not promoting the jacket or the brand so people cannot really tell if it's leather or not and I'm not promoting that it's just it's another commercial but I cannot say no to whatever the directors say I must wear so but from that to accept a job that tells me it's for a whole leather shoe brand no I, I already don't go to that casting or I say no to the job directly things like this and then also you start seeing that you have it's difficult to find it was at least difficult to find things that are chic and sexy or elegant and classy and and that it's vegan you know or the the four four the 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 four leather and all of this started more i think actually that started before i became vegan with the four four and the leathers i i started first with that than ditching food have you, in your experience, found um, over in sort of Barcelona that, uh, and in Spain generally, I guess, but things like fur are probably easier for the general public to get their heads around why we should stop using fur? It feels like that over in the UK, at least, that people, if you said to most people in the street, should is should fur be banned? Most people would say, okay, yeah, definitely, it yeah. definitely should be. Yeah, but they I haven't think so quite too. made the leap to leather. Yes. It, that's true. I, I guess this, because at least it was also my thought before I found out that leather industry has its own cows and animals for it. Like, I think what people tend to think is that you get the parts from the animals after they eat the meat and then they remove the, the skin. And then you think, well, let's use it all. At least that's what I thought before I find out that it's a whole special business for it 
and when you tell that people they react so i think and i'm also doing lately a few interviews in the street where we ask people what they think of leather what they think of their vegan right. alternatives and mostly they don't know they they really surprised when you tell them you can make leather of mushrooms or apple or you know and they are like wow and really what they care is about quality so if you if you they can be guaranteed that it won't break down like they, it will last they all say yes to to the alternative leather so it's very interesting yeah yeah 100% it, i've always found that well since going vegan i found that disconnect really really sort of odd in a way that the mm -hmm. fur fur people get leather for some reason seems to be like oh well leather's fine and like you say i think you're right it probably is because there's this sort of subconscious uh feeling that well it's it's obviously a um a byproduct rather mm -hmm. than yeah. you know like you say it you know something that's come from specifically you know animals yeah. specifically reared for that purpose um and you know and, and it's still got this like attachment to luxury leather like if i think about like car interiors and stuff people still have that in their mind yes. whereas i think with fur people have got over that that idea like it's that more it's cruel luxury. it's easy but also there's been a lot more campaigning about fur yeah and then people will see what's behind the industry with leather it's not been so much uh, like mm. if there were more educative campaigns, at least here in Spain, I don't see about leather anything. Like yeah. if people would know that, that it does not come from the same food, it's another specific industry for it. I think many people would ditch it, 100%. but also for, for price people, at least in Spain, they tend to, to go for synthetics. Unless they yeah. have a, a, a level of, you know, stability economically. And then they go for what they think it's more expensive and chic and, uh, I don't know, Hermes or Louis Vuitton, things like this. Yeah. Until they do synthetic. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, as we're there, I think I'll ask a question about it now. I want to get into Live and Grace, obviously, and like your work with them. But we're 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 at a point where I uh, I want to ask this question uh, to yeah. see your get your view on it. So uh, I've always I find it quite interesting at the moment that we have this we still have this mindset that leather is luxury, and then obviously there's like the cheap sort of synthetic leather is kind of mm -hmm. generally considered cheaper. And the fashion industry, or certain parts of the fashion industry, I'm thinking like Stella McCartney and so on have made great strides in helping sort of re-educate that there is a quality version of vegan leather mm -hmm. that yeah. um, still gives you that luxury feeling and so on and so forth. Um, is that kind of, the, is that is that dripping into the kind of mo mindset from what you've seen over in Barcelona, Spain, Spain wider, um, in, in terms of the general psyche? Like, are, are people still associating leather with quality, synthetics with cheap, and is there still that kind of like, battle if you like to get them to understand that there are quality yes. versions of vegan leather yes there is actually it's uh it's common to to think that it looks like plastic and then that you mm. for example with uh vegan leather jackets oh no but it makes you sweat because it's plastic and it's this or the shoes and then when they see really good quality alternative leather and they they touch it and they try on the shoes like many sneakers now or the bag and people are, are shocked with the quality and they ask how much will it last or will it break like they think that it's because it's synthetic it will break you know yeah so i think it's totally totally, totally related with um, with durability with quality yeah 
Yeah. 100%. Let's talk about Living Grace. When did you get involved with Living Grace? It all started in COVID, actually. I had okay. uh, the, well, a, a friend of mine was like, we must do something with veganism. He turned vegan after me. He's a businessman, Italian, like 40-something years old, very, like, you know, they take care of themselves. They dress nicely, very glamorous. And he became vegan like a few years um, ago. And he was telling me, I spent so much time Googling online for vegan shoes. Like, because for work, he, he, he wears vegan leather shoes now but before it was very hard for him to find so i said you're right I always when i want to find something it takes me hours of research so then he said why don't you because he's not in social media and he knows i'm active in social media so he was like why don't you gather possible people that would want to be part of a project and we make a think lab or something and then we figure out some ideas that we can carry on and it kind of started like this i asked a bunch of people during 2020 to, to join us, to think of something. And many people say, no, when the idea is more developed, then we can propose. And then only one stick to me, with, with me is Vegan Barcelona, Giovanna is my colleague. Uh, she, is, uh, she used to post a lot about vegan food here in Barcelona. And, and then she had another contact that is the, we are three women. And then she is like the, the base of the production. She actually, uh, we already met before in a shoot for, for Sony once. And it was very funny how everything aligned and we started a team. And then my friend, the one of the idea, found the investor and then he funds the project. And yeah, and we started. It's been quite a, quite a, a year and we launched in January, the website. Amazing. Yeah. And so how would you describe it for folks, who, for folks who've not heard of, of Live and Grace? How would you describe what, what the business is? The awareness. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's a, it's a vegan platform that we create all the, all the designers and brands that you can purchase. So basically what we want is that people, vegan and non-vegan people can afford and, and can find everything and trust the platform that everything they're going to find that it's vegan, you know, and there's everything is substituted like um, animal products. So basically, if you want fur or leather items, that you're going to find the vegan version there and it's cruelty-free. And we try that in all the best ways, sustainable also for the environment. And yeah, that people work in good conditions. So for all of that to happen, we interview each brand personally. We assess, yeah. So there's a work behind and then that's why we say it's created. And then, yeah, people can, can find that everything there so we save all the research you gotta do guys <laughs> yes yeah, so you're taking all of the hard work out of it for people who want some vegan fashion in their lives yeah i mean we would already are doing it for us when maybe not with so many yeah. brands but already if i want to find something i'm already spending hours trying to and do the research i want this dress yeah. or a vegan silk where, where do i find vegan silk that it's this and then, yeah, or vegan. Vegan shoes is the most uh, searched topic at the moment. Right, right. Yeah. You touched upon it, but what's the, pro obviously you said like you interviewed them, but what's the kind of uh, the process from end to end of finding a brand before they get kind of, you know, they get approved, if you like, to be on your site? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first we do the, at least when we started, we were doing like a list of brands we knew. I was in charge of doing the outreach. So I do the research of brands through Instagram, other platforms, whatever. And then I reach out to them. I contact them. We schedule a call. 
then the whole team in the beginning, the three of us were, was in the interviews after um, if I was doing the interviews. And then I, I passed the contact once we see that we are aligning and that we want to work together and it works. Then I give the contact to them um, because they do more technical stuff for the website, the production yeah. of the company and everything. And then, yeah, we start to upload the products in our website. And that's basically it. Once we done, like we agreed, we discussed everything, the three of us, we said, yes, the, the item, we like the, the image of the brand, fits with our personality, fits with the brand, with image that we want to give and the values align, of course, otherwise we already don't contact. But sometimes it's hard that they answer some questions. Not always they want to tell you all the materials or where do they come from exactly. Some brands, some designers are very open and it's really like, wow, they are so transparent. You can, I really want to work with this brand. And other ones are a bit sneaky and you can tell maybe some part of the production comes, I don't know, from China or something. They want to say it, which is, it will be fine. Just say it, you know, and say that you want to work with it towards the future. Like you want it to be more sustainable in the future and you're checking your ways, but just don't, don't be sneaky about it. Cause yeah. It's, it's very hard that it's 100% sustainable, you know. It's a lot of greenwashing, so that's why the interviews are important to see how transparent the brands want to be with us. I was going to ask about that, greenwashing kind of in the fashion industry generally. How difficult is it to sift through some of those kind of uh, corporate sustainability reports and things that people write that ultimately don't mean much? but they sound good. You know, how difficult is it to sift through all of that? It is, it is. I, especially, I think, when companies are very big. Like, mm. Mm, but most of our brands, the ones we work are very small. They are maybe one, two people that work in the brand. They are small teams. And they also quite young brands. Like, they have a couple, maybe the most famous has a few more years, but... They are all recent, you know, so, and you can tell they are entrepreneurs, they are, yeah, they are, done, they aren't doing greenwashing, but not all the ingredients are always perfect, but we try to offer the best of the best. Mm. When, when you uh, set out on this kind of journey, did you intend on working with smaller businesses or did it just turn out that actually the smaller businesses tended to be probably the more ethical before they'd got to a scale where they started to cut corners and change their processes and so on? Actually, no, we went, we went in the beginning for the ones that we thought they were big. They weren't as big, but you don't find out after you speak with a designer and then you see that behind there's a, there are only two founders and then you're like, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> and so some girls are doing everything. There are many women in the, in the industry and they are doing from their branding to, I don't know, basically everything and you are like or for example melina melina bucher is one of the m most luxurious bags that we have she is the one the only one that at the moment is doing bags with this vegan free plastic well plastic free sorry uh, bag it's called miru the, ma the material and yeah. she for example she designed it she produced she did everything on on her own and she, I mean, I was so impressed. Sometimes I'm so impressed when I have interviews with with the brands. The, the, the designers really have the vision and go for it. So, yeah, of course, we want to support that. But the original idea, maybe this was not um, a concept that we 
we had through. It's just like we first went for the brands we knew, which probably were the biggest ones. And then some want to work, some want, some others not because you're starting. So not everybody wants to work with a startup. And so in the end, the ones that can most benefit from this collaboration partnership are the smallest brands as well. But yeah. some others are bigger than, than expected and it's still ethical, you know. Are things in, in the sort of vegan fashion world kind of changing to perhaps thinking more about the sustainability? Uh, what I mean by that is like, I, I think I saw a few years back quite a number of particularly big brands using the word vegan or putting vegan on things that were probably mm-hmm. they were selling before anyway. They were plastic and they've yeah. stuck vegan on it. And actually that thing still, although yes, there's no animals harms and that's fantastic from our perspective as vegans, but they were still causing quite an environmental impact, uh, yeah. a human cost in how they were produced, things like that. Uh, are you seeing uh, an evolution in that in the kind of vegan fashion space? Totally. Like the brands are coming, I, I, I don't know how you say that, giving birth, new brands, Every month <laughs> I mm. see new brands and it's amazing how conscious that all these young designers are like, especially with the new technology and in innovative materials with the apple leather industry, um, the mushrooms, the medium, not, not many people know about medium and it's really, it's a very high quality. So, sorry, I forgot the question again. <laughs> <laughs> was it are people turning away from those kind of like those plastics and things like that in the in the kind of name of vegan fashion and yes. becoming more sustainable throughout their supply yeah. chain? Yeah, at least you can see that if it's very hard that it's total plastic free. See, people need to understand yeah. that the fact that it's a vegan apple leather bag doesn't mean that there's no plastic in it. It's impossible right. that there are no plastics so far until now with the materials we discovered. Because it's um, it's mixed in the process, you know, with the leftovers of the apple leather or whatever. You need that um, that mix with the polyurethane. But mm-hmm. this polyurethane can come from different sources. It can come from China or it can come from a more controlled local place. Or it could be mixed with recycled bottle, plastic bottles, stuff like this, you know? So it all depends on the source. There's still plastic, yes, but at least it's reused, there's recycled, you know? Um, Mm. So there are many ways to make it more sustainable. And until we have more materials that are plastic free, because they are. But also there's mislabel with um, biodegradable, like, sorry, but if, if it has polyurethane, if it has plastic in it, it's not, it cannot be just a part biodegradable and the other one not. You know, it's like it's mixed together, so it will have to be uh, not recycled. Like it, it can't, you cannot separate after the mix is done. So, yeah. but for example, this medium, this this is plastic free already. This is vegan. This is high quality. It's a luxury image. Has no plastic, so it's totally biodegradable. Um, you know, so. It's really, really worth uh, looking into all of this. And I think we will find the more they invest in, in research of these innovative materials, the more materials we will find that are animal-friendly and environmental-friendly and also for the people. Do you find yourself in a space where you're kind of almost having to understand 
the technological side of fashion perhaps more no. than you would have done before no. I, I, I more than i would before yes uh, but but it's every yeah. the more i begin it's like how how do they do this it's like <laughs> <laughs> like i try to read about it and understand the process but it's so abstract in my mind so in the end I, okay yeah. you just accept that they mix this with this and this comes out and this is <laughs> this is not that's it yeah. but it's yeah. it's like they do some marvels out there I asked a question because, uh, you know, if we if we we're used to kind of traditional fashion, if you like, so we're used to how, or at least in our mind, we're used to how we think leathers produced or silks produced or these kind of things in in the wider culture. When I say we're used to, I mean gen- the general public is probably mm-hmm. comfortable with those those topics. They probably don't even ask like how this is produced. Um, but I guess in the position you're in you're probably at least asking questions of how this of is course, produced in yeah. a way that you would have never done before if you totally. were a regular brand selling vegan, a non-vegan product. Not even being vegan before I had this business, no. I never asked. I, I learned, for example, in, in our team, we say we are mind, heart and soul. We are very balanced, the three of us. Like For me, I'm more the animal activist. So for me, it's totally, it's a must, it has to be animal friendly. There are, but mm. the part of the environmental heart, it's Christian. And she, well, she's the one that is the producer that I told you. And then she's always very conscious about plastic free. And she was educating us so much about, but this, this cannot be recycled, but this is still plastic mix in it, although it's vegan. This we have to look for this. So we uh, nurture each other and we learn a lot together. So for me, it might be more morality reasons for the animals, for her more the environmental reasons, you know, so we all complement each other. But definitely, I think people, yeah, of course, there's a lack of education on the topic because even if me being vegan, um, sorry, I have my phone. One second. Even if me being vegan and making research and stuff, I did not find um, all this information before. You know, I didn't wonder. But the fact that we're doing this together and making each other questions that you go out of your comfort zone, what you're used to deal with, you you wonder other things. Yeah. Now, now you're obviously deeply involved in this this business and understanding probably to a level that, you, that you've you never had to before, understanding fashion and vegan fashion and so on and so forth. Has this changed the conversations you've had with some of your vegan friends uh, who aren't involved in the business? You know, are you educating them in yeah. perhaps a different way than you used to? But, you know, it's funny because the, the vegan ones are already quite conscious about everything. Like if we discuss this, I have this. No, but the ones I see more change are my friends who are not vegan because oh. they start to care more on the fashion because, see, the way I see it is people, it's, easy, it's easier for them doing changes in fashion than something that they do three times a day or four times a day, which is eating, you know, that's a, a, a daily habit that is more, um, costs more effort, if you want to say. Yeah. And, and deep in their minds, they can still justify it because it's, it's food, it's for survival. But fashion, they don't, they cannot do that. So if I'm offering and I'm proving that there are fashion things, because the normal excuse for young people is, oh, but this looks old, but this looks ugly, or this looks too hippie, or this doesn't look glamorous enough. And that's the main reason why we came for this platform. We wanted to offer that, that option. So 
you can look good, you can look stylish, and it can be vegan, it can be sustainable. You know, there's no excuse anymore. And, and that it's impactful, especially if you're not vegan. Cause is, it, is there enough out there? Is there, is there enough brands out there that you're finding? Have you been surprised at how many very, options there actually are? Yes, I've been very surprised. I didn't expect there would be so many. And there are many, many. Yeah. Especially when you follow one on Instagram and they appear five more suggested. And then you go and look into it and I see, oh, wow, this is made here. But of course, here comes the work of the research because it says sustainable. But again, how sustainable, you know, how yeah. it is, what is it done? What all of these things you have to check. Then in the beginning, uh, we were very, like, very selectively creating is there, are there particular hotspots, like in terms of like different locations around maybe Europe, where you're seeing more of these kind of businesses popping up than others, or is it quite spread? And are we seeing major mm. cities? As we'd I think I think major cities, but mainly Germany, like the northern countries, are more educated about it, and they right. they are more able to spend the money in in this type of fashion, and slow fashion they are more conscious about slow fashion that we are m maybe more in the south or east of the of europe but i must say that many of the productions that i've seen are made in spain or portugal so we do produce we have the people working towards so it's not like it's complete ignorance about it but other brands are man buying the manufacturer here but, um, does, that, does that tend to follow as well, that if companies are interested in being sustainable, being vegan, that they tend to try and produce in-country in as well, rather than kind of outsource we have to some. different parts of the world? We have some that are from Spain, but they also maybe they sell also in the UK or they have other partnerships mm. through Europe. But mainly, I mean, as big, big markets for vegan fashion, of course, there's UK and US. That's undeniable, mm. and undeniable you know. And then what we try to do is expand in Europe at the yeah. moment because we have um, our colleague is German, so she knows the German market well and we're trying there. But we have uh, most of the sales are from the north, like Germany and Finland or Norway. Yeah. yeah. I guess a platform like yours is hugely beneficial to these smaller brands as well. I'm just thinking, you know, if there's only one or two people in the business, mm -hmm. um, they perhaps don't have the budget to be marketing well, some, themselves. Some, or... they grew, some, of course, they grew. And then you see that they are backed up for a more bigger <laughs> team with customer service and everything. But you see the core and how they started two years ago. It was just one to or two, two people, you know. So, but yeah, of course it helps. That's why most of them, the answer that we have is very positive. Most of them are willing to to call up and work with us because it's beneficial. It's it's mutual. So yeah, actually, I've been also surprised for that. Like we have not gotten many no's. Of course, there are brands that say they are not interested, but still they leave a door open. Contact me next year. It's very soon. Maybe next quarter. Like they don't tell you completely no. Only a few have done that, and maybe they are big enough, or they don't need they don't need that partnership. Or but but most of them, it's been we've got a very positive reply and they all align with the values and are always very excited to hear about it. So I'm quite happy with the, with the road. Are there any brands you're kind of really excited about at the moment that you're, that you're working with that you think, you know, more yeah. people need to know about this brand? 
we all we all have our own favorites in our team like <laughs> all of us because we have different styles so we all have our favorite ones me i really like gina cosacks because it's vegan silk and she makes this special material that is cupro and uh, substitutes the silk i really love vegan like like the silk dress and stuff so for me i was very happy when i found out um what else I, also we have kala berlin she has all kind of um dresses, coats for like more wintery for summer, everything. She really has invaded our website almost <laughs> <laughs> with all her long list of, of products. Um, for sneakers, we have, we have a few favorites. I don't know what to tell you. It's hard to choose. <laughs> don't compromise <laughs> me here. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, it depends if you like more sneakers, if you want heels. I don't know. Just just go through the website and, and check. But for, for, for men, for example, I have my favorite even for, for, for men. We have nine shoes are very famous. And then mm. it's, a, it's a vegan brand. And they have, and also Will's Vegan Store, maybe you know it, that's from yeah. the UK. Yeah. And yeah, we love our, like their shoes for men are a completely success. So, yeah. Yeah, and definitely like a unique one. I know Will's Vegan Stores, but quite a go-to in the the UK, like for the for the sort of dress shoes and so on. They're they're mm-hmm. they're awesome. So, yeah, yeah, like it's good good to see some familiar ones on there too. Yeah. Do, do you ship? Where do you ship? Do you ship around the world? Europe. Do you ship around Europe. Europe. So far, we we do Europe, and then yeah. hopefully when we can escalate, then we we want to have more impact. So we would yeah. like to do worldwide one day. But so far, you need we need more sales in Europe first. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's a challenge, right? Is like at a certain point, you know, if, if you establish distribution routes in, in the UK, for example, in the US, then great. You, but if you're shipping things halfway across the world, then you potentially can undo some of that good anyway, right? Yeah. And also with the returns, we have to establish policy, which also the, the brands we work with also care about it. Like, you know, it's not that sustainable if you allow free returns, for example, because then customers get used to buy two, three pairs of whatever, the same size, and then just return it. Why are you going to allow that? No, I want you to be more conscious. You pick your size, and if not, well, you return it. But normally, most of the brands align with this. Yeah, That's a really interesting point generally. Do you think that involves quite a fair amount of re-education if you like of the fashion buying public because like you say we are quite used to this culture of um you know buy three four things and three might three might go to waste after you know in a very short period of time or three might get given away or sent back or and we're kind of fine with that because we just want to try it on at home and stuff i think think it's very cultural education yeah totally it's very cultural i think every country have their own habits for this like here Mm. people don't buy so much and return it you but maybe another country in Europe, they order so many colors and they, ah, I just want this one and return everything else. When you could just have bought that one and that's it. So mm-hmm. we want to avoid that because it's a lot of emissions that you are saving for the planet. And then in the end, it's all part of the sustainability. Yeah. yeah. But it's hard I to control. So. You, Of course, you cannot control people's decisions. They can still do that. They can still return. Yeah. Of course, it's their right as well as customers. But there's a middle point where I think it's part of education in the website as well, to, like to leave it as in a message, you know, be yeah. mindful about your returns, about the emissions, everything. And obviously like you're supporting tons of startups through 
Living Grace as a, as a platform. You know, you're helping those individual businesses to to grow. How is it that you yourself get your name out there? Because I imagine it's it's difficult to to spread the word of a platform like this. It is. It is. It's, it is being a journey. It, that's the most difficult part, I think, to let people get to know you. Besides our own contacts, of course, and constant uh, sharing, social media plays a big a big part. But that's why also I I, re- I reach out to podcasts like you that I think are more vegan and like people want to know that they can trust you, right? So yeah. what better place than platforms interview you and get to know you in front of their own audi- audience so i think that's a pretty um, good way and and yeah it's also we are a startup as well so of course it takes a while until you get known so all the help yeah. we can get and in the way we can help each other is always it's always the way well i love the concept i think it's <laughs> fantastic and there's Thank so you. few like it um and that you can tell how passionate you are as a group uh, about not only the, the the vegan aspects, the sustainability, but also the fashion aspects. It does feel like it's kind of impeccably well chosen <laughs> products. You know, it's not just the, uh, anything from a, from anywhere. So um, amazing, amazing a project. It really is. Um, where would folks go about finding out a little bit more about you, getting onto the website and so on and so forth? Sure. On Instagram, it will be Live and Grace Collection. Uh, uh, will you put the the, the title or shall there'll I spell be links, it? There'll be oh, links you put the, the links. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so Instagram is Living Grace Collection, and the website is as well www.livinggracecollection.com. And we have Facebook and LinkedIn as well, and Pinterest and TikTok. So all of them are the same name. And since you will put the links, then feel free to awesome. visit us, ask us, write us in a DM, whatever you want, guys. Incredible. And if any feedback is welcome as well. So if you just <laughs> want to say anything, it can be improved, we take it. Suggestions for brands too? Yeah, of course, totally. Yes. Awesome. If you might think a brand could feed us, we will, uh, we will do the research and, and let's see. Yeah, please. Love it. <laughs> Belen, look, it's been amazing chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank I you love so what much. you're doing. I'll be Thanks. checking it out myself and can't wait till you can ship to the UK. That's going to be awesome. Oh, we, uh, we do. We do ship all Europe. Oh, you already do? Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. see, when nowadays when I hear we ship to Europe, I think, oh, no, that's not us anymore. That's <laughs> true. It, that's true. No, was. but in my mind, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's gonna. It's a bit difficult with the customs and everything because yeah. sometimes clients get mad because they don't expect to pay the customs themselves you know yeah but um but yeah at the moment is how it is so as long as yeah we we try to think new ways how we can possibly improve these for our customers but so far it's shippable like we do the sh- if someone in the uk order they can do it but the price oh, at the moment is, is it's what it is yeah <laughs> yeah well that's great news that's great news uh, excellent well okay. links in the show notes so i hope everyone goes and checks it out but mm-hmm. thank you so much for doing what you're doing thank you Jean, for having us great avenue Another great avenue to talk about veganism. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you.